Welcome back to another episode of Peaceful Home Birth. Today, I'm bringing you a variety of stories by a sweet and beautiful mama to four and a birth doula. Stories are so powerful, and I'm honored every time a woman shares her journey with me. It is amazing, and I just know you're going to love and learn from Marissa today. She starts out with three hospital births, which were all different. She had experienced nerve damage from epidurals, a NICU stay, and an induction until she found home birth. She decided she was done being a compliant patient and made empowered decisions for her last birth. Her story is so powerful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get in the show, I wanted to share something that I am so excited about. I have started offering free 30-minute birth strategy sessions, and you may be asking, what the heck is that? (laughs) Well, I know that women are flocking to find the perfect birth course that will show them exactly what they need to have a perfectly peaceful home birth. Is that you? You've been searching for the person and the information you need to finally feel confident about your decisions, right? Well, instead of searching for a perfect course, why don't you just schedule this private Zoom call with me and get your questions answered right away? This is a woman sharing information with many women. And let me just tell you, these calls that I'm having are so powerful. This is absolutely not a sales call and there is no strings attached whatsoever. Just you and me having a beautiful conversation about birth. Are you ready? We'll schedule today by going to bit.ly slash birth strategy. Let's do this. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth. And now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose. And I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. 
So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Hi, Marissa. Thanks for coming on the show today. I am so excited to hear your story and just dive right in. But before we do, would you just introduce yourself to my audience and let them know a little bit about who you are? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I am Marissa. I am a mother of four, a military spouse, doula, and childbirth educator in North Carolina. Um, we moved here back in 2020 and, um, that's when I really got into birth work and learning more about the home birth space and how my faith has kind of changed my whole perspective of birth and motherhood in general. Um, and what the past three before my fourth, the past three look like were so different than what I experienced in my fourth. So I'm just excited to be able to share that today and hopefully give a lot of good info for everyone. Yeah, I know it's going to be a great conversation and stories are so powerful. And I just love to remind people that your story has a huge impact and um, no matter what it is, people can learn from it. And so I always appreciate women coming on and being vulnerable and sharing their stories. Um, as I know, it makes a big difference. So let's just dive right in. Tell us what were those first three like? What um, what was your mindset around birth? What was your original belief system like? I want to hear all the things. Yeah. So I didn't really see at the time I was 22 or 23. I can't remember now. He'll be nine this year. So whatever that would be. Um, when I was pregnant with my first, I really didn't see like my faith being intertwined or, I mean, I knew that God designed childbirth and God designed children and God designed us, all of those things, but I didn't really intertwine it with my beliefs back then. My beliefs are pretty much nothing. Like I just thought, oh, I'm supposed to just go to the hospital and I didn't take any classes like oh I'm supposed to have postpartum depression everyone talks about how they have it like all of those major things um and then like the cutesy things for the newborn like I gotta have this I gotta have that but when it came to actual childbirth and what pregnancy and birth look like I had no clue what I was getting myself into um at the time when I found out I was pregnant with him uh I was two weeks into my grad program and we had just moved to Mississippi. So we were originally from Arkansas and we had moved to Mississippi so I could attend this grad program. And um, right after I found out we were pregnant and the program really wasn't fit to with, for me. It wasn't what I expected. And we were so far away from family that uh, I knew that I needed to refocus my priorities and kind of put my career on the back burner. So that was one thing that I really knew that I was going to have to 
just put on hold, which I ended up changing completely. But um, that was something that I knew I didn't want to compromise the way that I was feeling, my health and all of these things because I was working two jobs and going to school and we were newly married and um, away from family. We had no support. We didn't really know anyone. And so it was just hard to be pregnant and pretty much alone. Um, and so we moved back, not to home, but back to Arkansas, but where we knew people. It's where I went to undergrad and that's where we felt comfortable. We had a church family there and um, that's where I started my the last half of my pregnancy journey. And so I was in a OB model of care where I didn't see the same doctor every time. I didn't know who was going to be at the delivery. Ended up being at a teaching hospital too, and I didn't know anything about that. And so there were so many people coming in and out once I got into labor um, in the room. And again, I didn't know to that I had any rights to like limit that or say, no, I don't want any students or anything like that. So I'm pretty sure it was two students and like their supervisor as far as OBs that were in the room um, at my delivery with him. But anyway, it was pretty traumatic. Uh, looking back at it, I had an easy pregnancy, but the birth, I... Uh, I naturally went into labor, so I didn't get induced. I didn't end up having to have like a C-section or anything like that, but I had an epidural that pretty much was turned up to where I was feeling nothing. And so when it came to pushing time, they were like, you're not pushing. And I was like, I don't know what that feels like. I've never done this before. And so they turned the epidural down to where pretty much I was feeling everything. But at that point, I'd been pushing for a couple hours, ended up pushing close to four hours in the hospital, or at least this one back then, it was like four hours was their mark to C-section. And so I was right there and I remember hearing those words and I gave it all that I had. Um, again, I was forced pushing, I was coach pushing, all of those things. And I had to have my husband actually tell me what was going on. Uh, like years later, because my eyes were closed the whole time. He was like, yeah, there was pretty like probably like 10 people that were in there at one time. Um, he said that he had to be vacuumed out, like just crazy things that again, I didn't even know. I didn't even know about those things. Um, he was an overdue baby. So I didn't try to like push myself into labor or anything like that. But I did go the night before I went into labor to get checked because I thought I was in labor. And when I got checked, that nurse actually swept my membranes without asking me. And I'm assuming that's what actually put me into labor. So although I wasn't trying to do anything, um, something was done and made me go into labor. He ended up being, uh, sent to the NICU for a pneumothorax. So that's like a hole in the lung and that healed up. Um, again, we had awesome NICU nurses. So that experience was good because here we were first time parents scared to death, like our overdue, you know, baby that's full, full grown <laughs> is now in the NICU. Like you never hear about that. Right. You know, so I didn't know that was even like going to be a possibility for us. I mean, did they tell you why that happened or 
not until hours later. So we, I didn't get to see him. Like I didn't get him up on my chest. Like none of that stuff happened. They took him away. And I don't know if it was because of that. I know that they said he had taken in meconium, but again, like I know now that that can happen and that it can be okay. So I don't know if it was so much that that caused the pneumothorax or, or what happened. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't even know what a pneumothorax was back then either. So again, like here I am on my phone, not being able to see him, um, not really able to like process what had just happened. So we were only in the NICU a week. It cleared up. Um, and so it wasn't the experience that I know a lot of NICU families have. And I am blessed and thankful for that. Um, we did have a lot of family close. So those first two weeks, we pretty much had family here the whole time. And at the time, uh, I wanted all the support I could get. Now, now, after having four kids, I'm like, no, nobody mess with me. <laughs> like, if you want to bring me food, that's fine. But don't come in my house <laughs> until a while. Um, but back then, it was helpful because of the situation that we were in. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think that you made such a good point. Like, you don't have to have a C-section to, to have a traumatic birth. Like, I, I want to make that so clear. What I hear so often is women downplay their the trauma that they've experienced because it could have been worse. When in reality, trauma is trauma and how you experience it is valid. And being drugged up, not being able to feel anything, not knowing what's going on, not being told what is happening to you and your baby and your body, like all of that is a trauma. <laughs> and I like, I don't like dishing out that word so often, but the reality is um, that's just not the way birth was designed to work. And it causes problems with mom and baby and that's trauma. So that w seems like a very rough first birth. And I'm just curious, how was, how did you adjust postpartum? You had mentioned how you were like, oh yeah, everybody gets postpartum depression. That's just like normal. Did you happen to get postpartum depression? Oh yeah. Oh. Um, and again, it wasn't something that I thought I was going through until I had such an easy baby number two <laughs> and saw how that postpartum was, even though baby number two's postpartum is still way different than three and four as well. Um, so how I've evolved and learned what I've learned, you know, has definitely changed in the past nine years. But uh, yeah, that postpartum was rough because my husband was still working two jobs. I had the family at the beginning, pretty much had my parents there the whole time. They only lived like an hour and a half away. Um, so they pretty much helped in the hospital and we were lucky enough to have like a hotel room in the hospital. So even though I was discharged, I got to stay with the baby um, until he got discharged. Uh, and that was nice because even the five minute drive back home, like I just did not like being away. Um, and again, not knowing anything, thinking like this was just, I mean, it was a major thing, but thinking it was just like life or death situation when they pretty much made it seem like he was going to be okay. Um, still in my mind was thinking like, oh, something horrible is about to happen the whole time we were there. So 
Um, I didn't really have like the type of support with food or breastfeeding or anything like that. I did have a NICU nurse who um, actually, no, that was a lactation consultant that came into the NICU. That was actually really good because uh, I know sometimes lactation consultants in the hospital get a bad rap, but she was actually um, an older lady who you could tell just like loved her job and she was really helpful. And so I appreciated that because again, um, my mom did breastfeed both of us, but I, I didn't ever learn anything from my mom about that. So uh, that was very helpful, but that was about it. Like I didn't have really anybody checking on me. I didn't have anyone bringing me food. I, uh, went to my six week follow up and, you know, pretty much just, are you okay? Like, you know, they'll ask you those questions that you don't want to like make the wrong answer <laughs> to show that you're not doing good. Like, no, I'm strong. I can say that I'm doing fine, even if I'm not right. And again, it was something where I feel like I wasn't leaning on God in that process like I did with my other ones. And so I really took it as, why is this happening to me? <laughs> this is awful. This is not what I thought motherhood was going to be like. Um, and we also try to do all of the, what I call, uh, like worldly ways of being a mom and dad as far as we try to do all of these methods that all these people tell you to do instead of just listening to our intuition on what to do. And so that made it worse because we were trying to force things to happen that didn't need to happen. And now he always jokes because we have a baby and he's almost nine and he's like, which one cried the most or which one wasn't uh, the best sleeper? And I'm like, you, you, but then I think, no, like we kind of forced that on you. So it wasn't his fault. We were just trying to do cry it out and leaving him um, crying for hours. Like it was awful. And I hate to even talk about that and then admit to what we did. And he's a great kid and <laughs> hopefully doesn't have any internal trauma from that himself. But uh, yeah, just all of that whole first year was just rough until we got pregnant with number two and had that experience and that birth. Did I realize what I had gone through? Yeah, that I mean, that is so powerful. I think it really is a mark. And I have to constantly check this in myself too, about um, the con consumerism can take over for sure. And in, in planning a birth and you think you need all of these things. And then like you were saying, when, you know, when your eyes are not on the Lord, you are searching for wisdom everywhere else, right? Like if I just have this item or if I just use this method, then everything is going to be perfect. And that's gaining wisdom from the world instead of like in James 1, it talks about asking the Lord for wisdom and he is faithful and generous to give that. And so I think that's such a mark. And I, I hope women who are listening to this kind of um, check themselves too. And it's like, okay, who am I trusting in this situation? Like as I'm preparing for this birth, who am I putting more of my trust in? Um, like an item or or a system or even a, another person. So you brought such a great point up. And 
you mentioned your second birth. So what was so different about your second compared to your first? Okay, and now it's time to share one of my sponsors with you. After my first birth, which ended in a traumatic C-section, I started researching literally everything, including things that go in and on me and my family's body. I started getting rid of everything, first starting with cleaning products and then over-the-counter meds, but makeup has been the hardest thing for me to replace. It seems as all the natural makeup is in powder form, and with the type of coverage that I like, it just was not cutting it. That's when I found Araza Beauty's All-in-One Coconut Cream Foundation. This foundation actually improves my skin while providing sun protection and, of course, even coverage. With a dewy finish, almost like a BB cream, it's perfect for everyday wear. Plus, it's packed with ingredients like jojoba oil, probiotics, antioxidants, and zinc oxide, which provides SPF 28 coverage. I also love that Araza Beauty is a woman-owned and dedicated to giving back to victims of domestic violence. I feel great about supporting this company, which makes it super luxurious makeup even more satisfying. Now, I recommend with starting with the foundation. Uh, see what I did there, foundation? <laughs> you won't regret it. Just to make it easier for you, Araza is giving my listeners a special discount of 15% off. So go to arazabeauty.com and use the code EMPOWEREDBIRTH at checkout. Well, I got pregnant. He was, my first was uh, 11 months old, I believe. Yes, 11 months old. We found out we were pregnant. So probably at 10 months old, actually. Um, so they're... Right. They're 18, 19 months apart almost. So very close together and um, not unplanned, but not planned. Um, But same with the first, as far as that goes, it was just, we weren't not trying, if that makes sense. And so, um, so this pregnancy, I was still like fresh postpartum, but as uh, getting closer to like his one year birthday, it was starting to get a lot better as far as me and him and our relationship together. And so this pregnancy, I just knew all the things that I didn't want to do and didn't want to experience again. And that's what changed my perspective with this one. Um, I still had a hospital birth, still had an OB that actually my mom had with me for a little while. And I'm pretty sure had with my sister too, but I could be wrong about that. And so I knew that he was a seasoned doctor, had heard good things about him. He's very gentle, very kind. Um, and this time I had like a birth plan and all of these things. Um, I prepped a little bit more, but still wasn't like reading books. I don't even know if podcasts were really popular back then, so I wasn't listening to those. Um, really was just not seeking any counsel or support either in that So, but at the time I did have a cousin who was, our kids are only a couple months apart. So we had connected because of that. And so, uh, just felt a lot better all around, like physically and all that came to the birth and he was born, um, 39 and 
four, I believe, 39 and five, because we opted for an induction because our doctor is going to be out of town. Not that I recommend that now, but back then he was one that uh, before practices came about where there's like 10 doctors in a practice, he only had him and another guy. And I knew that I didn't know that other guy and but that's who I would have and although I didn't mind him because my aunt actually used him uh, and I still trusted them two together I had never had an appointment with him I had always had my appointments with the same doctor the same nurse they knew me they knew my family and so this go around as far as my prenatal care I just felt more comfortable and thought well, I'll take the chance of getting induced in order to have him because I didn't want to have someone I didn't know like before. Um, again, different hospital, different situation, but I was induced and my induction is actually not what you typically hear of inductions. It actually was a quick labor and an easy labor. I did not have the Pitocin contractions like a lot of women do. Um, I still did get an epidural, but this was the birth that changed my perspective on the type of interventions that I received versus my son with the first birth and the interventions that I learned I did not want for him because of what he had gone through. Um, because when I got this epidural, I actually got nerve damage from the uh, epidural hitting a nerve so going in too far and hitting a nerve and again i knew the risk with the first one because that anesthesiologist actually went through them with me um, with the first birth but again i was like well i'm not experiencing pain so you know i'm getting another one and that was my thought and this one he went in too far so i already was having nerve damage pretty much right after I had the baby and I still have nerve damage and he's almost, he'll be seven next week. So, um, it's something that I went to the chiropractor for. I've tried to do all the different things that I could do, um, holistically and I've got it like manageable. It's never been unmanageable, but still it's there. And when I used to not have back pain, I have back pain now because of that. And so, uh, other that than that, it was it, sorry, is that just what your the nerve damage is, is you're experiencing pain? Or can you explain a little bit more about what that sure. nerve damage has done? Yeah, so for me, um, it was pretty chronic, I feel like, in the beginning. Like, it was something that uh, we, my mom's good friend, my dad's good friend, they're like second parents to me and my sister. She's a chiropractor. And so when I had this nerve damage come up, it was pretty much where like if I carried my child, it would cause me just so much pain. And sitting, laying down, sleeping, like everything was just so painful. Uh, I tried heating pads, ice packs, you know, all of the things at home. And I had... um the chiropractor tell me that she had had, you know, women that have come to her for this before. And I was like, so what does this look like? Like, okay, am I going to be stuck with this forever? And she was like, well, some people do get over it. Some people have it forever. And I was like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> um, that'll be my luck. Right. And so it, like I said, I went to the chiropractor and that helped, um, 
I focus on like a nervous system based chiropractor because there are differences in chiropractors. Um, but when I did that, I still will have it, but it's more just like, uh, I don't know, it's constant, but it's, it's like manageable. I don't even think about it now. It's probably just because it's been that long, but it's nothing that I can't, I, I can, I can handle it. Um, like it's not as bad as it was, but I know for some, like it is bad and they have to do things to get that managed. And I didn't really have to, which is great. Good. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't think about the risk associated with epidurals or you hear like you'll get a spinal headache maybe afterwards but then they can just fix that and you'll move along and you'll be fine and you know but you don't really think about the long-lasting effects that can happen so thanks for sharing that um with me and so going on with your second delivery afterwards how was your postpartum with that so all that was pretty good. I remember uh, him, the doctor, again, I didn't really know very much either. So as far as drugs or interventions go with me, I I could not tell you if I got Pitocin to deliver my placenta. All I know is the placenta was out. I don't remember them taking it out as I know some may do just as like their routine. I don't remember that. I don't remember experiencing anything like that. Um, and I really don't think he did because I had him again with my third and I know he didn't for him. So I'm assuming that with my second, he didn't either. Uh, but that experience, the delivery, the birth, I got there at six in the morning. We probably started Pitocin at seven and I had him around lunchtime. So it really was not long. Um, and I don't, go in like I don't dilate before I go into labor so I was pretty much maybe at a one um and went from a one to a ten and had the baby like within five six hours so uh it wasn't a bad experience for me uh, I remember going into the postpartum room you know where you stay a night um and do the car seat check and all that stuff and he was like do you want to stay another day and I was like no he was like, I know you want to go home. And I'm pretty sure we went home a little bit before the 24 hours too, that they like to say is policy. But again, I didn't know to even push that if we wanted to. Um, but yeah, that whole experience was a lot better. He, as a baby slept from the get go, like I didn't have to do nothing. And I just thought that had to be the Lord because he knew that I was struggling so much with my first that he gave me a an easy baby to show me that motherhood is not what I thought it was and doesn't have to be so rough um, just because you're having to dedicate your whole life pretty much to now this new life and I think in the with my first baby that's what I felt like I felt like I wasn't myself anymore I felt like I couldn't take care of me and so that was a blessing because I had a toddler and a baby um, but he was so good and the only thing that I can note about that postpartum or his first year of life is my milk stopped coming in at four four months and I tried everything to get it back and nothing worked and so we had to end up going to formula and it's not something I regret obviously I had no choice but um, 
I didn't know, again, to even like look any further beyond what I had just, you know, seen pop up here and there. So I thought the supplements and the food and the lactation consultant um, and all those things were going to work. Like they're just going to work. And I know that most of the time they do, but for me, they didn't. And so that was one thing we had to do. And he struggled with um, just a little bit of uh, allergies, I'm assuming due to the formula. And I couldn't even tell you what formula we had back then, but it was just something that we found that worked for him and said, okay, that's what we're getting, you know? Um, so he did have some skin, uh, like rashes and things like that, but that all cleared up too. So that was really the only downside for me anyway. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your third. You hired the same doctor because it was such a good experience and what happened with your third so all my kids except for the last one are about two years apart so but this one we had planned we knew we wanted to have another child we had planned um for this so it's it's like we were expecting it so since we were expecting to get pregnant i had looked into things much more now this was also only four years ago five years it'll be five years this year um so I was a lot older. I was a lot wiser. I had a lot more of like-minded friends. So when I, I still didn't know about home birth, the wife was, but I didn't know that home birth was an option. Uh, and I saw, and it was, it's pretty good. I feel like there's a lot of midwives and doulas in that state. Know to look. And I actually had a good friend of mine who was cool. Um, from our church and uh, I actually knew several doulas in our church and they you can do a friend of mine who was into all like the holistic crunchy things and so at that point when I learned about home birth I was about halfway through my pregnancy and just thought oh well I'd midwife and I couldn't so I stayed with that doctor but again the care I just had it in my mind that I was never going to get an epidural again because of the experience that I had so it wasn't really because I was trying to be more natural minded or had anything against interventions I just knew that wasn't going to be one of them for me um this birth went a lot better I still went into labor naturally. I had him right on his due date. And uh, again, like we were able to go home a little bit before 24 hours. And by then I had two little ones at home, but the oldest one was four. And so he was like a big help for mom with the toddler that I had. That was two at the time. Um, and I had this one all unmedicated so i didn't have anything i didn't even take tylenol afterwards uh i didn't have pitocin afterwards so that was a big difference from before and then this time i did have a birth plan that was more strict in what i wanted which was pretty much nothing that i wanted in the hospital um for me or baby so that whole experience was 
actually really good. And again, I think that I was more educated, more prepared and more wise to stand up for myself and my child, knowing what I had experienced in the previous two. Yeah. When you decided like, I'm not going to have an epidural anymore. Was there any fear or apprehension to that at all? Did you have to like prepare any differently with this one? Um, or were you just like, this just isn't an option and I'm going to do it? How how was that like for you? I don't actually remember what my thought process was as far as like pain goes. Um, because I know that's a big factor for a lot of women. It's more like I'm getting the epidural because I want to experience a painless birth. But for me, the pain in birth is a different kind of pain. And I don't necessarily believe in like a pain-free birth, but it's the way that pain is, is so different. And it's such a short time of our life to go through something like this. And I just had to keep thinking like, that's just a non-negotiable for me. And so I really didn't have any second, you know, thoughts about it or, uh, like fear creeping or anything. I just knew that that was something that I did not want. And so I was just going to do it. <laughs> so with your first two, was your thought process on getting an upper dural just, well, it's normal. Everybody gets it. So you might as well. Was that kind of the thought? Yeah. Yep. So interesting. That that is really interesting because you're right. Most people are getting an epidural because they're like literally afraid of of pain and they just don't think that they can handle it but i'm sure there are some women out there too who are like well everybody does it so this is just the flow of how everybody right first so that's yep. really interesting yeah so on to your your fourth birth what what happened in between the time you gave birth naturally at the hospital to I am just going to do it differently for my fourth time, <laughs> my last time. It's going to be different. What was that like? Well, for me, a lot of things changed in our life. My husband was joining the military, so he joined way late um, at 27, and uh, we knew our life was going to be a lot different. Again, four years, well, pretty much like three, three and a half years had passed, I am now way more educated. I'm a doula now, I'm a educator now myself. And I had taken on this path. I did schooling in like 2018, 2019. Uh, but I didn't really do anything in 2020, not because of the way the world was, but because my husband was gone. And so I didn't have anyone to watch after our kids or anything like that. So it wasn't until we moved here at the end of 2020. 20, um, that I started slowly getting into the birth space here in North Carolina, which again is so different than most states because it's the laws here are crazy. Um, but I kind of had this mindset of, well, I'm not going back in the hospital. Uh, there were several things that happened to our family that made us not not necessarily distrust all medical providers, but distrust the way that things go in the hospital 99% of the time. And I just wanted no part of that. I, did, I didn't want to have someone else be in charge of the way that we were doing things. Because we knew pretty much 
if we went into the hospital, like if we had to, if we couldn't find a midwife or whatever it may be, that it was not, I was not going to be happy and that they weren't going to be happy with me because I wasn't going to be that typical person that just says yes to everything and just lets them do whatever they want. Yeah, you were done being compliant. You knew too much to comply anymore. And I think that is a dangerous place to be because um, you just don't follow the rules anymore, which is fine. And that's great. I had an episode with somebody that talked about can Christians be rebels? And I firmly believe and are 100% okay with being a a rebel when it comes to birth. Because I think right now what being a rebel looks like and what being non-compliant looks like is actually closer to how God intended it to be. (laughs) So for sure, we we're going to be non-compliant patients. And as a nurse, that's like we hated non-compliant patients (laughs) because it made our life difficult. And if that tells you anything, um, I you know, I hope you are non-compliant now. I encourage that. (laughs) So let's hear what, what the process was like for you, like finding a midwife and making that decision to birth at home. How was that for you? Yeah. So I, since I'm a doula, I knew pretty much all of the midwives. I pretty much worked with all of them, um, knew a hundred percent, about home birth. I had learned so much the first year I was here on what home birth looks like in this state. Um, and not to like go into big detail with that, but pretty much only CNMs are allowed, allowed to attend and they're still very medicalized. Now there are a few great ones that I like and have attended births with, uh, several times and we'll be doing that this year too. But, um, I did not want that type of care because they still have to require some things. And of course, yes, you can say no, but they put more pressure on that because they're required to have that themselves. Um, They still have to have an OB sign off on their stuff. There is a new law or something that just came out this past October, but it still has some uh, fine print in there for them, but still it's just for CNMs to be legalized. There is no, uh, wavering on like CPMs or even like traditional midwives, things like that. So I actually am such a rebel that I was like, I don't want anybody who is certified, not because I didn't trust them, but because I thought that they would still try to push something on me that I didn't want and still felt like it wasn't truly my decisions or me and my husband's decisions on how this birth and how this pregnancy and postpartum was. So I am, uh, I went the, what I consider traditional route, but I guess it's untraditional route for most people and chose a direct entry midwife or traditional midwife, um, who she is great and she has worked with uh midwives herself that for years and then did her own thing or is doing her own thing she has taken courses she's attended all these births and all of these things to be educated in and outside of the actual birth space but she is just not wanting to have that title 
And if I was a midwife, that's the route that I would go to. And so that was like, oh yeah, we, we want her. And at that point I had had several births with her. Um, my husband knew about her cause I had talked about her so much, um, that he, he knew that if we got pregnant, it was going to be her. So I reached out to her cause midwives go so fast here. I reached out to her as soon as I found out we were pregnant and she was like, as long as, long as you're willing to travel to me, cause that was an hour and she had changed her prenatal appointments to going to her instead of her coming to us. Um, then I'm okay with it. So I was like, yes, I will drive to you. And so we are making the drive, uh, for every prenatal, but with that, um, since she's not regulated by any sort of requirements, I pretty much didn't have the traditional care either. I said, Hey, do you mind if I don't come this month? Like, I don't feel like it or, um, everything's good or she would have a birth and she would have to reschedule. And so I didn't do the traditional, like four weeks, two weeks, then one week type of care either. It was pretty much if I felt like something was wrong or if I wanted to listen to the baby's heartbeat, or if I wanted to have conversations with her in person, like we could go. So I think maybe I went for four or five times in that pregnancy, maybe more, but I really don't think so. <laughs> and she came to my house twice. So maybe a total of like seven appointments um, with her. So much freedom in that. I, I, you don't have to do regular prenatal care. Like your body just grows a baby. Most of the time it works and it really causes you to be in tune. I, I did that with my last baby too. And it was honestly the best experience ever just taking that full responsibility over my own prenatal care and it was amazing so you're you go through your pregnancy let's hear your labor and birth story I'm excited yeah so I didn't really have again I didn't do um well I didn't say this but I didn't do any ultrasounds um, I didn't do any like urinalysis. I didn't do any blood work. I had just gotten, uh, an HTMA done for like my minerals and stuff done right before we found out we were pregnant. And so that helped me already know what my body was lacking and to where I needed to support myself in. But as far as that went, it was all open. She has an OB. He's actually the OB for this part of the state that just does ultrasounds for, home births if you want them and he's not a practicing like he doesn't attend births but he does like more of the gyn side and so that's what a lot of the home birth families go to but i was like well if i feel that something is off like i'll go it wasn't that i was being naive in my care or felt like i wasn't going to do something if if i didn't feel like it was necessary i'm not negligent in those type of things but i also felt like the lord was going to be able to guide me and i really leaned into him for prayer and like journaling and and reading the word and just understanding that i was designed to give birth and that i can do this without having to have someone tell me how to do this like even through my pregnancy and so when it came to the birth i was 40, 40 and something. And I started having prodromal labor until I was a doula. I didn't even know what that was. Um, I'd heard of like Braxton Hicks and such. I had that myself, but didn't know what prodromal labor was until, um, I was a doula. Cause I had several clients that had had this. 
but I had it for about a week until I had him. And pretty much those last two days, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, because I kept psyching myself out. Like I would have them and they'd be strong and they'd be strong for a few hours. But I'd be like, no, I'm not going to call the midwife until I really, really, really need her. Um, and I'm glad I didn't because then they would fizzle out. And But it it really felt so different than what I had felt before. Um, so I had that for a week, which I've had clients that have had that for weeks and I don't know how they do it. Um, but I had that for a week in those last two days. I was like, I'm just going to stop thinking that it's labor. But that last night I decided to sleep on the couch because my husband was getting up with me and we had a birth pool and things like that, that we wanted to get set up and ready. So every time like we thought it was labor, he'd be like, do you want me to do that? Do, what do you want me to do? Do I need to go to sleep? And he also was working too. So I was like, no, I'm just going to sleep on the couch. It's probably not going to be it. You know, um, but I'll go to sleep. I haven't had contractions really at all that day. And it was like two o'clock in the morning and I wake up to a contraction, which I had been doing again, but they just fizzle out. So I was like, I'm not going to call him in the room. I'm going to let him sleep and just do my own thing. So I turned on a playlist that I had made um, a long time ago, more for my clients than for me, but it was just all like scripture based music. And, uh, I loved that. I had been listening to it my whole pregnancy and I was like, I'll get on the ball or, you know, I'll try to move around and see what happens. So things kept going for a few hours. And so I finally, I called him on his phone. So he would wake up in the other room and I was like, okay, I think this is it. So he came in and as soon as he came in, I had a contraction that went from a couple minutes apart to seven minutes apart. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I knew something was different. So I just had this weird, like the pain wasn't different, but uh, I just felt different. I felt like this was actually going to be it. And I think it was more because I had let my mind rest and I had let my body rest and had really surrendered over like everything that I had been feeling that week that I truly was like, the Lord will just let me know, you know, <laughs> and I felt like this was it. So I end up, that was at four or five o'clock that morning. And, uh, I called the midwife at around six and had her there at seven 30. I was in the pool at the time and I asked her, I said, do you want me to get out? Like, is, do I need to get out? Like what it, um, Again, I never got in the water before with any of my other three. And so she was like, well, maybe just to go to the bathroom. So I got up and I had like a, uh, almost like a nursing bra on. So I had to change that because it was already wet. So I was like, okay, I'll go change and then I'll do that. And just that shift, that movement shift made me realize, okay, this is about to happen. And it was crazy to me because Everyone that I know, even clients had said prodromal labor gives them such quick labors, but I really thought like, I'm going to have my midwives here all day and they're just not going to like me by the end of the day because they've been here forever and I called them too soon and all these things that I tell my clients not to do, I was going through myself and I got in my room, all of our kids were there, which was awesome, but I kind of left it up to them if they wanted to come in the birth space or not. We had a sunroom where I set up the pool, and so it was kind of separate from the house. Um, they were in our bed watching TV, and I was in there changing, and um, 
pretty much had to stop everything I was doing and uh, had three back-to-back contractions, like couldn't breathe through any of them, like, or couldn't, couldn't breathe in between them. And I was like, okay, I need to get back in the pool um, because it was so much better for me in the water. And I didn't know if it would be because I never experienced that before, but it was so much better. I went straight in there and I maybe had him 30 minutes later. So it was super fast. <laughs> wow, that is fast. I mean, fourth time mom, I guess it's not super surprising, but we do make up so many stories in our head. I love that you mentioned that. Like, <laughs> I just knew it was going to take forever. And it's funny that that hospitality comes out and then we feel bad for having people in our home that are doting on us. Yeah. Like, we're not used to it. It is weird um, that we have to get over. So, oh my goodness. Okay, baby was born really quickly. And how did the placenta delivery go? How is all of that? Yeah. So when I got back in the pool, um, I pretty much was feeling like he was coming. And this was the difference between my unmedicated birth in the hospital and the home birth was because I still felt like I was being told what to do in the hospital, even though I don't feel like they were pushing like coaching me to push or anything like that i just still felt like they were having to tell me what to do i wasn't like letting my body do what it needed to do or really just letting myself understand what was going on so i didn't even have the midwife in there i had to tell our photographer to go get the midwife or i think she would have missed the birth altogether um but at the time my my husband and i looking back he was like oh we could have we could have done it like it would have been fine but um and he was super supportive and helpful and knew that that was what I wanted. And I had been experiencing that professionally, that he just had some confidence that he didn't really have in the other three to, for the fact that like, if the midwife didn't come in the room quick enough, like it would have been fine. Um, but anyway, we, I had him not, uh, through like the fetal ejection reflex or anything like that, but it really wasn't pushing either like there was at the very end but i really felt like it was my body it just wasn't a all-in-one quick (laughs) here's the baby so um but it was an awesome experience i was able to bring him up to my chest and things like that that i wasn't able to do before and uh everyone just sat back so i knew that this midwife was not going to intervene unless it was an emergency and when i say emergency i mean like a true emergency (laughs) because really um i really don't think that a lot of things that are called emergencies are emergencies but when he uh was out on my chest i was trying to nurse and different things and that's when the uh contractions started happening for the placenta to come out and again it wasn't something i wanted managed she wasn't going to manage it unless i said for her to anyway and i sat back i ended up having to give the baby to my husband so i could get into a different position but again just a different process with like delayed cord clamping and all that stuff like it was it was completely white and limp whereas before might have been a few minutes as considered delayed cord clamping and things. Um, the placenta came out after I changed positions and I actually like pushed a little bit for that, but it was after having him on me for about 45 minutes to an hour. So 
she really just let me rest. And I remember once the placenta was out, I we had a couch in the sunroom too. She was like, do you just want to go to this couch or do you want to go to your bed? And I was like, just the couch. Because I had had five days of prodromal labor. I was exhausted. <laughs> and so I hit the couch and I nursed. I'm pretty sure I nursed him again. And I gave him back to my husband. And I fell asleep for... I don't know how long I say a couple hours. Um, but my husband would go in there and check on me and he was like, you know, is there anything I need to be doing? Do I need to give uh, her the baby? And she's like, Oh no, I'm just going to sit here and let her sleep. And, she, and he was like, nothing's wrong. Right? Like she's not bleeding too much or anything like that. And, and she knew she was like, she's just exhausted. And so she's going to sleep and they let me sleep. And I woke up, moved to the bed and, uh, they did their newborn, you know, weight and height and all of those things and uh, left me with my husband and the new baby and the three boys. And I actually had our youngest. He was uh, he had just turned four. He was with me the whole time. He had his hand on my shoulder or he was holding my hand. He was actually in the pool with me before things got like serious. Um, and I did not expect that from a four year old at all. But I guess the sense of like mommy's going through something. I want to be close to her it was so precious. And, um, the whole postpartum experience was just night and day, how hands off and how much calmer and sweeter it was. I just love that so much. It, it does. You can hear the voice and everything and the heart around it. And what a beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. How can people get um, in touch with you and work with you if they want and just learn more about uh, who you are and just connect. Yeah. So I am on Instagram more than I am on Facebook, but it's both uh, at Roaring Motherhood. That's my business name. Now I don't share as much here lately with the life changes that have happened, but I do share a lot of my stories. I have a website. Um, I actually have a podcast that I've been doing the past couple of years. Same, similar thing, just sharing home birth, Christian home birth stories and um, having guest speakers on that are faith filled and things like that as well. So I have that. Um, and yeah, I'm based in Eastern North Carolina. So if anyone is looking for support for their home birth, I could be available. That's awesome. What is your podcast called? Roaring into birth. Roaring in a bird. That's amazing. I love it so much. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. Make sure you connect with Marissa. Thank you so much again for coming on and just sharing your stories with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.